The anonymous landlord is more than just making profit from property. It's a system of automation and a strategy which will shape the way you invest in property forever. It's a quality of life, it's a way of life. It's a business mindset. The anonymous landlord will make loads of money from property and continue to grow wealth and assets without giving up time or energy or life. Because what's the point in making a load of money from property if you've got no time or energy to enjoy it? My name's Tom Sone, and this is The Anonymous Landlord. Hi, it's Tom Sone here, and I'm going to go through three ways that you can invest in a rental property and where you can get the best property deals from, what you need in order to get them, plus... I'm going to go through a few tips, a couple of pieces of advice and a couple of warnings uh, to enable you to make them as safe as possible and as profitable as possible. And I've also included my favorite type of property property investment here. So I'm going to go through a buy-to-let, a standard buy-to-let property. I'm going to go through a flip-to-let property, which is sometimes called a BRR or a buy, refurbish, refinance but maybe I'm going to give it a couple of extra options here. That's why I don't really like calling it buy, refurbish, refinance. And I'm also going to go through a build to let strategy as well. So along the way, if you've got any questions, just pop them in the comments below. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification button so that it lets you know the next time I post a video or the next time I go live. So if you're watching this on my YouTube channel, then the notification button is somewhere around here. Um, and it will tell you every time I post a new video. That'd be awesome if you could do that. Thank you very much. Okay, so three ways to invest in a rental property. Let's start off with the, the probably the most common one out there, and that is a buy-to-let property. Buy-to-let property is quite simple. It means you're just buying a property. It's ready to go doesn't need any work. It's already habitable. And in some cases, you could buy a a buy-to-let property that's already got a tenant in it. As you know, I do this landlord-to-landlord property sales service, which is really getting popular purely because I think a lot of people just want a property that's ready to go, that they don't have to buy a property, then go and find the tenant, then there may be some period of time where it's empty. It's all ready to go, receiving income from day one. So sometimes you can buy these buy-to-let properties tenanted. Other times you can buy them untenanted and put a tenant in yourself. Now, when you're buying a buy-to-let property, normally you can just take a standard buy-to-let mortgage. Now, there are some differences here or some variations here because It could depend on the type of building that you're buying, the type of construction, whether it's a flat or a house. There'll be different types of mortgage product that you'll need in order to buy them. But generally speaking, you can borrow up to 75% of the the value of the property, of the purchase price. Now, again, there are different types of mortgage products that will enable you to borrow more or lower prices, lower rates, lower fees and so on. But If you're going to buy a buy-to-let mortgage, sorry, if you're going to buy a buy-to-let property, then you'll need normally to have 25% as a deposit cash. 
You'll need to cover your fees, your legal fees, any buying fees, your searches, anything that you've got to pay to your solicitor. And also don't forget tax, stamp duty. No one wants to pay it, but we all have to pay it when we buy a property, unfortunately. And also take into account the letting fee. If And it doesn't matter whether you're using a letting agent or whether you're letting the property yourself. There is going to be some cost involved in that, whether that's you advertising it, getting hold of all the contracts, all of the prescribed information that you have to give to every tenant every single time. And by the way, I've mentioned it before, but if you want to join my webinar, which is everything you need, <coughs> excuse me, everything you need for every tenancy every time, then uh, drop a comment below or send me an email, tom at pinkstreet.co.uk, and I'll fire you over an invite to that to that webinar. Anyway, so don't forget all the fees, don't forget all the tax, don't forget your deposit. That's the cash that you will need to buy a buy-to-let property. So where can you get a good buy-to-let property? Obviously, the open market is the first place most people will look. Rightmove, Zoopla, on the market, all of those sorts of places, which you just go through the normal process. You find a property you like, you make an offer, you complete the, complete the purchase, buy the property. Done. But I tell you the I can tell you that the better deals normally come off market. There's this whole world of off market property purchases and sales that goes on and you don't know about it. It's awesome. I'd probably say that mo half of the property investment deals go on off market. It's crazy. Loads of them. Now, you have to kind of know the right people in order to get the off market deals. You have to know good sourcing agents. You have to know good agents who are going to bring you properties before they go to the open market. But if you get to the get to know the right people, then you can be offered those better buy-to-let property deals before they go to the general public so that everybody starts fighting over them. And also don't forget, if you if they go to the open market, normally you're going to pay top price. Normally. And you're also up against other property investors too. If you buy off market, typically it's just you. It's offered to you. So if you want to buy off market, of course, you know, I run a mortgage, uh, a property broker, which means that you can get offered off market property deals. I do quite a lot of normal buy to lets, actually quite a lot of landlords to landlord stuff as well. And if I can do those off market, it's brilliant. It doesn't disrupt tenants. It enables investors to invest and it's always a good way to do it. If you want to, if you want me to connect you up with a good sourcing agent or a good off-market property, comment, email tom at pinkstreet.co.uk and I will just connect you up with the right people by email. Okay, if you are going to buy a straight buy-to-let property, then a good way to calculate your target yield, your target profit, return on investment, whatever you want to call it, is to calculate the total rent take away your mortgage payment, take away insurance. Everyone always forgets the insurance. Take away management fees, normally about 10%, I would say. Depends on where you are and who you use or what level of service you use. So for example, my company provide a VIP service, which is more money, but it's more value as well. So make sure you find out what management cost is going to be before you buy. Anyway, your rent minus all of those things will give you your monthly profit and then you can calculate that against the cash 
that you've put into that property. So remember I said just now, your 25% deposit, your legal fees, your conveyancing fees, your tax, all of those things, survey cost, buying fees, auction fees, whatever it is, wherever you're buying, there will be fees involved. So that's the cash you put in. That's the cash you get out. The percentage of those two things is your cash yield. Now, normally with a buy to let property, the cash yield is normally average. It's just a, an average cash return on investment. Your true yield is also average. And by the way, I know I talk about true yield quite a bit. It is the way to calculate your return on investment. It's the only way, really. But also cash yield is it's good enough. It's a much more simple way of working out if you're getting a good deal for your money. It's not 100% accurate um, or a true reflection of your investment, but it's good enough. True yield and cash yields on standard buy-to-let properties are normally quite average. So, um, so look out for that. And these types of properties are brilliant. If you're an investor, you've got capital, cash in the bank, or you've got equity in your home and you just want to make more of it. You're not bothered about getting into the nitty gritty of property investing and high level refurbishments, renovations, conversions. You don't want to get into all of that. You just want to put your money somewhere that you're going to make 10% on your cash. So if you put, for an example, if you put 50 grand into a property and your target is to just make 10% a year on your cash, then your profit should be 5,000 a year. So you can try, so that's what, nearly four, 420 pound cash a month. So if you're, no, sorry, 4,000. Yeah, if you're gonna put 50 grand in, you want 4,200 pound a year back. And that is a simple way of calculating your cash yield target. So when you're buying a property, make sure those are the calculations you're making. Otherwise, you can do better with your money. You don't really need to go below 8%, to be honest. If you're going below 8%, I'd probably have a talk with a property broker um, or a property sourcing agent or someone like that to get you a better deal. So anyway, these are, these are perfect for safe investors who just want to put their money into a different pot that's going to return them a good, a good return on investment. And here's a quick tip on buy-to-let properties. Buy for the type of tenant you want. I know you've heard that before, but buy for the type of tenant you want. And by that, I mean, don't buy stress for profit. Don't buy something that's out of your comfort zone just to make a little bit more profit. If you like houses, three bedroom houses, two bedroom houses, because you understand them, you know them, and you know the type of tenant that will look that will live in those properties in those areas, buy that. Don't buy a leasehold flat just because you might make a little bit more profit if you're always going to be a little bit nervous or a little bit apprehensive or cautious about the service charges, maintenance, ground rents, the freeholder, those sorts of things. Don't buy stress for profit. Just put your money into a pot, which you can leave it. It's not uncomfortable for you. Um, so that is a bit of a rough overview. It's a very simple overview of a buy-to-let property. Next, my favorite. You've heard me talk about flip-to-let properties all the time. Well, these are my favorite types of investments for a number of reasons, which I'll go through with you now. But 
I separate flip to let properties into, oh, by the way, sometimes people call these a buy, refurbish, refinance, BRR, but I don't call it a BRR because BRR now is used for, um, it's a bit gimmicky now. So a lot of people will advertise BRR training and things like that. And it's associated with buying a property, getting all your money back out. And they're just having this amazing free property. So I don't tend to call it BRR because a flip to let and that sort of strategy has multiple exit routes. So it's kind of been a bit misinterpreted now. Anyway, rant over. So a flip to let is my favorite type of investment. And I normally separate it into two areas. You can either buy a flip to let that's habitable or not habitable. That sounds really obvious, but that will then dictate what type of finance you can take out on a flip to let property. And by the way, a flip to let property is very simple. You buy a property, you increase the value or you change it somehow and then you remortgage it. You get some or all of your money back out. And the variable to that is that you can do it straight away. You can buy the property, do it up, refinance it straight away or you could refinance it a bit later down the line. That will depend on penalty charges, interest rates, whether you can get a really good mortgage deal to buy this property, and it's a lower rate, but it means you can't refinance it for two years, it might work out better value. If you can take a mortgage uh, to buy a flip-to-let property, and there's a small penalty to pay it off, but that works out great because you're going to pay less overall, there you go. Multiple exit strategies when it comes to flip to let, but I don't want to go into that too much now. So yes, if it's habitable, you might be able to get a standard buy to let mortgage on a flip to let property. I know if it's habitable, that's the key. If a surveyor goes to the property or a valuer goes to the property and says, yes, this has a functioning kitchen. It's livable. It's habitable. This could be rented as it is today. If that's the answer, you could get a much cheaper buy-to-let mortgage on this property. Now, a couple of things to bear in mind. If you're going to take a buy-to-let mortgage, which is a very standard type of investment mortgage, if you can take a buy-to-let mortgage on a flip-to-let property, then the chances are you will have a lower rent value. Because if it's in poor condition, it's functional, it's habitable, but it's in poor condition, then your rent value is going to be lower. So you'll need to make the calculation. I said yesterday, if you remember, I, I did a, um, a live yesterday about calculating what you can borrow through a mortgage. So quick, rough example, mortgage lenders normally like somewhere in the region of the rent to be 125% of the mortgage payment if the mortgage payment was a 5% interest rate. Make sense? Something like that. So your rent is going to be slightly lower in value. That's not saying you're going to charge lower rent, but it's going to be a lower value. Um, so just make sure you're calculating that so that it works. So you buy the property with a buy-to-let mortgage, then you increase the value. And then if you've got, say, a two-year fixed-term mortgage, then you can refinance it after that. Or and this is why I love the flip to let, because there's multiple exit strategies. Number one, buy it with a buy to let mortgage because it's habitable. You then refinance it at the end of your two year term. You take out the increased value and any growth in value that you've achieved. 
Option two, you can take the buy-to-let mortgage because it's habitable. You buy the flip-to-let, you do the work, you increase the value, and then you take the mortgage penalty for paying it off, you take it on the chin. And you take the take that fee, don't worry about it because I'm just going to extract another 20 grand. So I don't mind paying a couple of grand in a fee because I'm going to get that money back out nice and quick and I'm going to be able to reinvest it straight away. So don't worry if there's a penalty fee for paying off a mortgage early. Don't worry, that's okay. If you're buying a property that's not habitable, so a flip to let property that's not habitable, you can take a bridging finance loan, a bridging loan, bridging finance, bridge, whatever you want to call it. It's, it is what it sounds like. It bridges the gap between purchase and mortgage. And that's what it does. Now, normally bridging loans, you could call them short term mortgages as well. Now, normally bridging loans are more expensive on a monthly basis, but you use them to buy that property on day one. Then you do the work. And then you pay it off with a standard mortgage. So you refinance. That's how the term comes about, buy, refurbish, refinance. So you buy the property, you do it up, and then you pay off that bridging loan with a new mortgage. And that's a really good way of getting that property under your belt. Now, here's the best part about that, is if you buy it at 100,000, you spend 20,000, whatever it is, and then now it's worth 160,000, well, you refinance it, you can get pretty much all of your money back out. Hopefully that makes sense. I'm not going to go too much into detail about the, the, the maths right now. I'll do that another time. So anyway, there's a few different ways that you can flip to let. Uh, but the key is that you buy it. However you buy it, you buy it. Then you increase the value by refurbishing, by extending, adding, converting, whatever it may be. And then you remortgage at the increased value, get as much of your money back out as you can. Now, the ideal investment here is where you can spend the total investment is up to 75% of the end value. Remember, you can only remortgage up to 75% in most cases of the total value that that property is going to be once you've done. Right? So if you're going to do a property up and now it's worth 200,000 you can you can take out a new mortgage for 150,000 which is 75% of the total value you use that 150,000 that you just got out pay off the old mortgage and whatever's left is yours or whatever you leave in the property is your cash investment so if you're going to leave 20,000 pounds of your own cash in that property that's now your cash investment and then remember I said earlier on, calculate your profit and offset that against the cash that you've left into the property. Hopefully that all makes sense. So that's the ideal target. If you can, if you can have your total investment amount to be no more than 75% of the gross development value, so the end value once you've finished your project, that's a great, great deal. They're very rare, very rare. You have to know the right people to get those deals. But if you can find them, they're great. If you only look for those sorts of deals, and I see so many property investors that only try and get deals where they can get all of their cash back out, effectively a free house or a free flat. If you only look for those, you're going to miss some amazing deals. Absolutely amazing deals. 
I mean, personally, I leave cash in properties. Not all the time. If I can get a deal where I get all of the cash back out, then brilliant. I'll take it. But I, nine times out of 10, I'm leaving a little bit of cash in the property. So don't only look for those. And you know my, my rule. It's buy workhorses rather than unicorns. Unicorns don't exist. There is no one property that's going to make you a million pounds. There's only workhorses. And the most successful property investors on the planet only buy workhorses that return a certain yield every single time. Safe, secure workhorses. There's loads of workhorses about. So don't chase the unicorns. Go for the workhorses. They're the ones. So again, remember, if you're going to buy a flip to let property, you'll need your deposit, which is normally 25% of the purchase price. You'll need your fees, legal fees, stamp duty, um, conveyancing, valuation fees, lenders' legal fees in some cases, um, and also the cost of borrowing as well. Don't forget, if you're going to have a two-month refurbishment and you're using bridging finance, you're going to have to pay two months' worth of bridging finance. So take into account all of those things and the cost of refurbishment. Quick tip on refurbishments, add 10% as a contingency. Refurbishments often, <laughs> often go wrong. Now, I'm not saying they go wrong and it's disastrous. I'm just saying that it goes wrong and there's a bit of an extra cost involved. So make sure you calculate your refurbishment cost plus 10%. For example, you pull the wallpaper off the walls and it's old wallpaper and a load of the plaster comes off with it. Now you need to add replastering into that room. So don't forget, add a contingency to your refurbishment costs. And then also, again, as I said earlier on, your letting fees. Everyone always forgets the letting fee, how much it costs to let the property out. And I don't just mean a letting agency's fees. There's the cost of advertising, your cost of doing viewings. You've got to get contracts and how to rent guides and uh, all of those things that you need to give to your tenant. Inventory, tons. So make sure you calculate all costs into your investment. So, look, my favorite type of flip to let, the ones that I love, they're bread and butter, are your basic refurbishments where you only need kitchen, bathroom, floors and walls. Simple as that. You know, you could do those things for 10, 10 11, 12,000. But the reason I like those the most is because they're fast, they're safe, they're the least cash, but for the most gain. Now, yes, you could do major refurbishments, renovations, all of that sort of stuff, but they're much more cash in, cash required and much higher risk. And you might be able to get more profit, but the, the balance, the value between the amount of cash that I need and the amount of gain that I can achieve, that's why I like the kitchen, bathroom, floors and walls. So if you can go into a property and you see that it looks fine, it's all okay, just needs a new kitchen, new bathroom, new flooring and walls. Now, the walls, by the way, that could be plastering. It could just be a paint job. Kitchen, bathroom, floors and walls. They're, they're my favorite. Quick in, quick out and get the job done. So they're also quite safe as well. And you can find a lot of them. You can get those types of property deals from many places, auctions, sourcing agents, estate agents, off market, 
property brokers like me. I'm happy, by the way. I'm happy if you want off-market property deals. Just comment below or email me, tom at pinkstreet.co.uk, and I'll just fire them across as they come to me. Um, so, yeah. Where are we? Where did I get to? So, yeah, off-market are always the best for those type of deals, but you've got to know the right people. So you can either do the work yourself and you can go heavy into um, nurturing, communicating, networking with agents, sourcing agents, auctioneers. Like only yesterday I got offered two properties pre-auction. So they were set set to go to auction, but the auction house contacted me and my team and said, hey, look, this one's just about to go to auction, but we can agree a deal pre-auction if you have a buyer. So, you know, those, those sorts of deals are great. You have to do the work to get into that position where people are offering you those properties. But if you can do the work, I'm happy to help you. Then, um, then it really does pay off. So with flip to lets, cash yield is normally pretty good. So I've been doing this for a number of years. My target cash yield is 20%. Now, if you're new to this, that's quite high to start you off. You can get those properties, absolutely, but that's quite high to start you off with. Uh, my average cash yield at the moment is 24%, so I'm doing really well against my own target. Um, but also true yield is also quite high because you're buying properties and you're adding value. So the equity you have in that property plus the growth in equity, so the appreciation of the value of the property is also going to be pretty good. So flip to lets are perfect investments for any investor that wants to make a bit more money, doesn't mind a little bit more risk, but if you buy properly and you buy with the right people, then flip to lets are, can be very minimal risk, actually, especially if you go for my favorite ones, which are kitchen, bathroom, walls, and floors. They're the ones. They, are, they should be your bread and butter. So yeah, flip to let's. And by the way, in any of these situations, I'm, so, I'm more than happy to give as much advice as I possibly can um, to help out as much as I can. So just contact me and I'll just give you whatever advice I can to help. Right. Let's have a look at the last way that you can invest in rental properties. And this one's a big one. This one, this one's the highest risk, but you could also get the highest return if you do it right. And the last one is a build to let. Now, I love build to let. I'd love to get into it. I haven't yet. I've got a few deals that I'm working on, but they take a lot longer to, to get through because you've got planning. You've got multiple people involved in the deal. You've got a lot more analysis on costs, build costs, all of those things. So build to let is a big one. In a nutshell, you buy some land and you build a building and then you keep that building and rent it out. Or you could knock down an existing building and build a building, rent it out, keep the profit. You could also include in, in build to let uh, any sorts of conversions into residential property. So if you buy, I don't know, an office block and you turn it into a residential property, I'd probably put that in the same sort of category as a build to let. Um, basically, you're building something to let out. I suppose all of them could really be build to let, excuse me, but, um, but definitely if you're going to buy some land or knock down an existing building and then build a property that you're going to keep. 
Now, when you're doing something like that, a build to, to, to let, then normally you can borrow against the end value, the GDV, gross development value. You can sometimes just borrow against the purchase. It depends what your deal is and what your setup is going to be. But in a lot of instances, you can take bridging loans or development finance, they call it, where you can borrow against the end value. Now, again, going back to what I said earlier on, if you can, if you're going to build something and you borrow against the end value, try and make sure that all of your costs amount to no more than 75% of the GDV, gross development value, end value. Once you've finished all of the building, all of the work and everything like that, what's it worth? That's the GDV. Because you can borrow against that amount. And if you can keep that below 75%, when you've finished and you come to refinance the deal, there it is, get all your money back. Now, again, those deals are rare. They're hard to find. You have to know the right people. You have to be connected with the right um, sourcing agents, property brokers, auctioneers, all of those types of people. But you can find them. And there's a, look, don't, don't beat around the bush. Build, building any type of property is hardcore, and it's riddled with challenges. But it can be done because... Other people have done it. Loads of people have done it. Look at every single building around. At some point, someone built them. So it can be done. You just have to know the right people to do it. And I'll try and help you a little bit here. So if you're looking at building a property that you're going to rent out, then you'll need to first of all know what roughly the cost of the build is going to be per square meter. Of course, you need to know how much you can buy the land for or the existing building. But then you've got the build. And that normally is the biggest expense as well. Um, now, typically, you've got a cost per square meter could be anything from £1,200 per square meter, anything up to £2,000 per square meter. It depends on what you're building, what level you're going to build it to. So if you're going to do a hugely premium job, then you might want to allow a lot more money per square meter. If you're in a premium area, you don't want to do a cheap job. So you'll need to... Hey, do you know what? By the way, any decent builder should be able to give you a rough guide on what you're trying to build, roughly what the square meter cost is going to be. Some people work in square feet, some people square meter. Um, but yeah, so work that out and you'll buy the property, you'll buy the land or the building for X. You will build for the cost of Y and then you'll be left with the value of Z. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, now you can do a bridge bridging finance, development finance for those things, and then convert it to a straight buy-to-let mortgage once you own it. And if you're going to build a block of flats, for an example, then that'll be a really good way of having um, a decent asset. You'll own the freehold, you'll own all the buildings within it, all the dwellings within it. And that might be a really good way to, to invest a higher amount of cash. Now, as I said, try to keep your investment below 75% of the GDV, gross development value, so that you can get your money back out. You could build blocks of flats. Oh, by the way, you don't have to just build blocks of flats. You could build houses. You could convert, like I said, office blocks, pubs. They're really popular for conversions at the moment. Churches. I'm seeing loads of churches converted, certainly around my way in Portsmouth. There's, um, there's one big one just um, on the corner of Albert Road and Elm Grove. And if you're from Portsmouth, then you'll know exactly where I'm talking about. Spent many a night in Albert Road, haven't you? Um, yeah, that big church on the corner of Albert Road and Elm Grove, 
And a while ago, that was converted into a load of really premium luxury flats. And I know this because I went for it back in the day, but um, didn't get it. <laughs> but yeah, so look, these types of deals, where can you get them from? Typically, they are off market. You don't often see these types of plots of land on the open market. Now, you, you could, and I'm going to come back to that, you could see them, but they're typically off market or at auction. Maybe they've been repossessed. Maybe they're deceased estates and they've gone to auction, something like that. That's where you would normally find them, off market and at auctions. The off market ones, if it's a deceased estate, uh, meaning someone owned it, has died, and they're going to sell it off to add to the estate, then um, then you can either get them at auction or you just get them through uh, probate lawyers or through agents, sourcing agents that are connected with probate lawyers. You can also joint venture on these things as well. Very, very well. So a joint venture, for an example, that I'm working on currently is where the owner of the land is going to joint venture with me um, and a builder. So the, the owner of the land is uh, going to contribute the value of the land. The builder is going to contribute the cost of the build, and I'm going to contribute the finance. So that's a really good joint venture. Everybody's interested in the end goal, and it's a good way to be able to offer landowners a good deal. And it's a good deal for everybody. Everybody wins. And that's the key to making a good offer. Everybody's got to win. If you're making offers to people and somebody is worse off than others, not a good deal. It will probably fall through. Anyway, so if you're going to take finance for a build to let, then lenders normally like experience. They like some sort of experience of property investing. If you can get, I don't know, if you've never built anything before, then you can't get experience of building. Um, but you just need to have to, you need to be able to display that you can build this property and you know what you're doing. So any experience in the property industry is good. Um, if you're connected with a builder, great. Those things. Lenders like those things. But do lots, lots, lots of due diligence. Don't leave any stones unturned. If you're going to go into a development, it means it could be a year before it's completed. And as a result, you're spending out a ton of money on the cost of owning that land. You're spending out a ton of money on building the cost of the build, your interest payments, or anyway, there's tons. I'm not going to go through it right now, but just make sure you've done tons of due diligence to make sure the deal works and that you've accounted for all of the costs that could take place and add 10%. Add 10% as a contingency. It is vital. Um, so uh, to wrap all of this up, Try to remember that, yes, a build to let is probably a much higher cash yield and true yield. It's probably one of the best ways to invest and get a return on investment, generally speaking, but it's high risk. So this one is perfect for truly adventurous investors. If you have a lot of capital and you want to make the most out of it, then build to let might be a good one for you. You've got to know the right people. You've got to be able to find the right deals, of course. Um, but, and there's a lot of people that want these as well. A lot of more experienced people too. But quick warning as well. If one of these types of properties goes to the open market, I will always ask why it's gone to the open market. 
because nine times out of 10, land that can be developed on is offered off market. So if it's gone to the open market, it means all the people that it was offered to off market don't want it. And if they don't want it, why? I would want to know why. Now, most of the time it's because the owner wants too much money. But other times it could be because the experts think that it can't be built on. The experts think that won't get planning permission for it and so on. So make sure you do due diligence. Make sure you speak to a planning consultant. They're probably the best ones. Most architects could link you up with a planning consultant. Um, so, you know, if you're looking at this sort of thing, you just got to speak to the right people, get as much information as you possibly can. Okay, that is it. So quick recap then. We've been through three ways that you can invest in rental property. I've told you that if you want off-market property deals, they're the best ones to buy, really. I can't stand buying on open market now. Do you know what? The last time I bought on open market, uh, the last two times I bought or tried to buy on open market, I was gazumped twice. What's the point? So if you're a proper investor and you want to properly make money, then you've got to buy off market. I'm happy to connect you with the right people that can send you off market properties or I get offered a lot of off market properties myself just because of what I do. And they know that I buy properties and they know that my clients buy properties. So I just get offered tons. Um, normally, I'll, I'll, I'll reject some of them. But the ones that are good investments that I think are good investments, I normally pass out to my clients or I buy myself. But yes, buy to let. Really good, safe way. Normally ready to go. Maybe a tenanted property. As you know, I do a landlord to landlord property sales service, which is becoming more and more popular because more and more people just want a straight buy to let, which is already ready to go. Don't want to get involved in work. Don't want to get involved in refurbishments. Um, just something that's ready to go. So buy to let is a really good one for safe investors that just want to put their cash into something profitable. Um, flip to let, which is my favorite, is a really good way. Like I said, some people call it a BRR, but I don't call it that because that's now associated with buy a property, um, do it up, get all your money back out. Those are unicorn properties. They do not exist very often. They do. You can get them. I'm not saying you can't get them. But if you are new to investing, and you don't have a brilliant network of property brokers, sourcing agents, things like that, the chances of you being offered a BRR is very low. Think about it. If a property sourcer has an opportunity to get all of their money back out, why aren't they buying it themselves? They should know investors. They should be able to borrow the money, do the job, get the money back out. So, you know, unless you've got really in-depth networking, and contacts, then you probably won't be offered those deals. So I don't really go for those. I, I like them. If I get offered one, I'll take it. But um, yeah, you'd normally find that you're going to leave 10 grand, 15 grand, 20 grand in a property, and then you'll make profit on your cash. Flip to let's are fantastic. Remember, the remember my favorite one, the basic refurb, kitchen, bathroom, floors, walls. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. It's the least cash, the most gain, generally, if you buy correctly. And then the last one we went through was a bill to let, which is a bit more exciting, a bit more glamorous. You know, how cool would it be to say, look at this block of flats I built? All your friends would think you're great. And that's that's maybe further down the line if you're just thinking about starting to invest now, um, then that's cool. But maybe don't go for a bill to let 
on your first investment project? Maybe. But if you want some help with any of this stuff, then you've got to just drop me an email. It's tom at pinkstreet.co.uk or comment below. Um, but do make sure you subscribe because I really want as many people to learn this stuff as possible. As you know, all of this is free. Um, I just want to make sure everyone gets it right. You could probably pay a lot of money for this information, but I don't think it needs to be like that. My interest is my business. As you know, I own a chain of letting agents around the country. I have a property broker that connects investors with off-market property deals. I normally specialize in buy-to-let properties and flip-to-let properties. Don't really get so involved in build-to-let. If I find a good one, I'm probably going to buy it myself. Sorry. Um, but also with, uh, I don't really get involved in things like um, rent-to-rent, rent-to-service accommodation. Uh, I, I do a couple myself, but I don't really talk about it too much. So anyway, if you want any help with any of those things, then comment, email, or message me through my Facebook page um, or my Instagram page or my LinkedIn uh, or anything like that. And I hope I speak to you all soon and I hope we can do some deals together. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. But before you go to the next episode, I really want to hear from you. Just search Tom Sohn on any social media or just email me tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode. And if you need any help with your own situation, just get in touch. I'll answer every email and every message I promise. Anyway, see you in the next podcast. And remember, being a landlord is hard. Being an anonymous landlord is easy. Invest, enjoy, repeat and grow.